coming to you from a cozy little condo high atop old Fort Ward, Atlanta. Welcome, Welcome to The Ron Show on America One Radio. Here's your host, Ron Roberts. And a happy Monday from the ATL that survived the Taylor Takeover weekend. I've never seen so many, well, white girls downtown on MARTA. <laughs> Seriously. Other than Taylor Swift, Marta was the star of the show this weekend. Thank goodness, too, man. I mean, when you got 100,000 people coming Friday night downtown, and then you got another 65,000 on Saturday and Sunday, and we're not talking about your rabid sports fan that, you know, gets there early and tailgates and has a good time and knows how to get in and out of these venues because they're there routinely. It could have been calamitous. All in all, the venues fared well. Marta did well. Traffic wasn't great. It never really is, but it wasn't terrible. I even went and picked up some friends who came in Friday to see the show. I ventured a few blocks from where I live to pick them up so that they could come to their car where they parked at my condo building. It, it, it went pretty well. So kudos to Taylor. Kudos to Janet. You have a seat in the corner there, Atlanta Hawks. We'll talk about you later. And kudos to Marta. And to everyone who had to work at all the venues downtown with the obscene crowds, not obscene, but you know, obscenely large and kudos to, to the MARTA staff. I, that Everything seemed to go pretty well. I don't hear a whole lot of complaints, right? If you work out or you are on a diet, you know, you sometimes take a cheat day. <clears throat> Today I'm taking a cheat day because I am just bogged down with work and have so much that I need to be doing aside from this show, unfortunately. But before you get all mad and miffed and start tuning away... Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to offer you a review of the White House Correspondents' Dinner speeches from President Joe Biden and Comedy Central's Roy Wood Jr. from The Daily Show. How about that? In case you missed it, you get to listen to that pretty much in its entirety. So without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, I introduce to you the President of the United States, Joseph R. Biden. Let me start on a serious note. Jill, Kamala, Doug, and I, members of our administration, are here to send a message to the country and quite frankly, to the world. The free press is a pillar, maybe the pillar of free society, not the enemy. Thomas Jefferson wrote, you all know this quote, Thomas Jefferson wrote, we're left to me to decide whether we should have a government without newspapers or newspapers without a government. I should not hesitate to prefer the latter. To Evan's parents, Ella, Mikhail, and sister Danielle, as I've told you in person, we, not just me, we all stand with you. Evan went to report in Russia to shed light on the darkness that you all escaped from years ago. Absolute courage. A handwritten letter from prison to his family, Evan wrote, quote, I am not losing hope. In an interview, his mom, Ella, said, one of the American qualities that we absorbed is to be optimistic. That's where we stand right now. To the entire family, everyone in this hall stands with you. We're working every day to secure his release, looking at opportunities and tools to bring him home. We keep the faith. We also keep the faith for Austin, Austin Tice. His mom, Deborah, is here tonight. 
She knows from our several conversations, the conversations with me and my senior staff, we are not giving up. As I told you at this dinner last year, as I told you in the Oval Office, you raised an incredible son. When he was a kid, he was an Eagle Scout, a big brother, a born protector, a U.S. Marine, three tours in Iraq and Afghanistan. Austin. Austin was a fearless journalist and a future lawyer. As a consequence of Austin showing the world the cost of war, he's been detained in Syria for nearly 11 years. It's simply wrong, it's outrageous, and we are not ceasing our effort to get him, find him, and bring him home. Tonight, our message is this. Journalism is not a crime. Evan and Austin should be released immediately, along with every other American held hostage are wrongfully detained abroad. Paul Whelan, unjustly held in Russia for more than four years, whose brave sister I've met with and whose family has never quit fighting for Paul, and I promise you, neither will I and neither will this administration until we get him home. And there are other Americans being unjustly held in Iran, Venezuela, China, and elsewhere. Their stories may not make headlines or hashtags, but every day their family looks at that empty chair at the kitchen table. Birthdays, anniversaries, holidays without them. The pain of living in limbo, in a sense, is almost worse than the pain of having lost a child and looking at an empty chair. The stress of not knowing, the sorrow of uncertainty. But I want them and their families to know, Jill and I understand, we see them. They are not forgotten. And I promise you, I am working like hell to get them home. As a nation, we'll never give up on hope. Things can get better. Things can turn. Things can change. Tonight, unlike last year, Brittany Griner's here with her wife, Cheryl. Brittany, where are you, kid? Stand up. Come on. I love this woman. Love you, Brittany. This time last year, we were praying for you, Brittany, hoping you knew how hard all of us were fighting for your release. It's great to have you home. And boys, I can hardly wait to see you back on the court, kid. Remember your promise, I get to bring my granddaughter, my all-state girl, to see you, right? Because of our unrelenting efforts, we've been able to bring home dozens of hostages and wrongfully detainees, wrongful detainees from Afghanistan, Burma, Haiti, Iran, Rwanda, Venezuela, across West Africa, around the world. But we're doing everything we can to prevent these cases from occurring in the first place. For example, the State Department added the threat of detention as a new risk indicator to his travel advisors, to go along with the threat of kidnapping, to warn Americans where these threats are highest abroad. I also recently signed an executive order increasing the consequences for criminal groups and terrorists who engage in the appalling practice of treating human beings as bargaining chips, political pawns. Just two days ago, my administration announced the first sanctions under this new authority 
punishing individuals in security services in Russia and Iran when part of the wrongful defense, detention of Americans. Above all, across government, experts are working day and night to bring our fellow Americans home, much of which, as you well know, we can't talk about. Concern that will backfire. But my commitment, my commitment is to bring them home. Just as I know your commitment is to continue to be in a free and fearless press. And that's what we honor tonight. This is not hyperbole. You make it possible. You make it possible for ordinary citizens to question authority. And yes, even to laugh at authority without fear or intimidation. That's what makes this nation strong. So tonight, let us show ourselves in the world our strength, not just by the example of our power, but by the power of our example. Folks, I know a lot's changed in the press. I've had a lot of conversations with a lot of you. This is not your father's press from 20 years ago. No, I'm serious, and you all know it better than I do. But still, it is absolutely consequential and essential. After all, I believe in the First Amendment, not just because my good friend Jimmy Madison wrote it, This dinner sums up my first two years in office. I'll talk for 10 minutes, take zero questions, and cheerfully walk away. <laughs> yeah, I know. I just announced my re-election campaign. Some of you, some of you scooped that I'd announced in the video. But really, you really all thought in your heart that I just blurted out, didn't you? <laughs> And look, I get that age is completely reasonable issue. It's in everybody's mind. And everyone, by everyone, I mean the New York Times. <laughs> Headline, Biden's advanced age is a big issue. Trump's, however, is not. <laughs> Sorry, that was the New York Times pitch spot. I apologize. I love that guy. I should do an interview with him. <laughs> you might think I don't like Rupert Murdoch. That's simply not true. How could I dislike a guy who makes me look like Harry Styles? <laughs> call me old. I call it being seasoned. You say I'm ancient. I say I'm wise. You say I'm over the hill. Don Lemon would say, that's a man of his prime. <laughs> Folks, it's wonderful to be back here again, proving I haven't learned a damn thing. <laughs> I want everyone to have fun tonight, but please be safe. If you find yourself disoriented or confused, it's either you're drunk or Marjorie Taylor Greene. <laughs> Pam, thank you for hosting us. I love NPR. Because they whisper into the mic like I do. But not everybody loves NPR. 
Elon Musk tweeted that it should be defunded. Well, the best way to make NPR go away is for Elon Musk to buy it. And that's more true than you think, anyway. <laughs> this dinner is one of the two great traditions in Washington. The other one is underestimating me and Kamala. Well, the truth is, we really have a record to be proud of. Vaccinated the nation, transformed the economy, earned historic legislative victories and midterm results, but the job isn't finished. I mean, it is finished for Tucker Carlson. What are you wooing about like that? Like, you think that's not reasonable? Give me a break. Just give me a break. Look, like I often say, don't compare me to the Almighty, compare me to the alternative. We added 12 million jobs. That's just counting the lawyers that defended the president. Had Ron DeSantis, I had a lot of Ron DeSantis, Ron DeSantis jokes ready. But Mickey, but Mickey Mouse beat the hell out of me and got there first. Now look, can't be too rough on the guy. After his re-election as governor, he was asked if he had a mandate. He said, hell no, I'm straight. I'm straight. I'll give you time to think that one through. You got it? Look, y'all keep reporting my approval ratings at 42%. But what do you, but I, I think you don't know this. Kevin McCarthy called me and asked me, Joe, what the hell's your secret? <laughs> I'm not even kidding about that one. <laughs> the speaker's trying to claim a big win this week. But the last time Republicans voted on something this, that hapless, it took 15 tries. Was good. <laughs> Look, it's great the cable news networks are here tonight. MSNBC owned by NBC Universal. <laughs> Fox News owned by Dominion Voting Systems. <laughs> Last year. Your favorite Fox News reporters were able to attend because they were fully vaccinated and boosted. This year, with that $787 million settlement, they're here because they couldn't say no to a free meal. And hell, I'd call Fox honest, fair, and truthful, but then I could be sued for defamation. It ain't nothing compared to what they do to me. <laughs> Look, I hope the Fox News team finds this funny. My goal is to make them laugh as hard as CNN did when they read the settlement. But then again, CNN was like, wow, they actually have $787 million? Whoa. 
Folks, I go where people are. The Daily Show. Roy's a great guy. He once dubbed me the Jay-Z of Delaware. Don't let that look in your face. You did. Tonight, he asked me to keep it short. Even offered me 10 bucks if I'd keep it under 10 minutes. That's a switch. A president being offered hush money. Look, I'm going to leave the jokes to the pros, but let me conclude on a genuinely serious note. Roy was born in Birmingham, born in Birmingham, Alabama. He graduated from a great HBCU, Florida A&M. He started in journalism to follow in the footsteps of his father, Roy Wood Sr., who covered the civil rights movement. During Black History Month this year, I hosted the screening of the movie Till. The story of Emmett Till and his mother is a story of a family's promise and loss and a nation's reckoning with hate, violence, and abuse of power. It's a story that was seared into our memory and our conscience, the nation's conscience, when Mrs. Till insisted that an open casket for her murdered and maimed 14-year-old son be the means by which he was transported. She said, let the people see what I've seen. The reason the world saw what she saw was because of another hero in this story, the black press. That's a fact. Jet Magazine, the Chicago Defender, and other black radio and newspapers were unflinching and brave in making sure America saw what she saw. And I mean it. Ida B. Wells. Ida B. Wells once said, and I quote, the way to right wrongs is to turn the light of truth upon the wrongs. Turn the light of truth upon the wrongs. That's the sacred view, in my view. That's the sacred charge of a free press, and I mean that. That's what someone we still miss so much, who you honored posthumously stood for, Gwen Eiffel. You know, she was among the very best we talked about at the table. She moderated my first debate for vice president and was a trusted voice for millions of Americans. Gwen understood the louder the noise, the more it's on all of us to cut through the noise to the truth. The truth matters. As I said last year at this dinner, a poison is running through our democracy and parts of the extreme press. Truth buried by lies and lies living on as truth. Lies told for profit and power. Lies of conspiracy and malice repeated over and over again, designed to generate a cycle of anger, hate, and even violence, a cycle that emboldens history to be buried, books to be banned, children and families to be attacked by the state, and the rule of law and our rights and freedoms to be stripped away. And where elected representatives of the people are expelled from state houses, 
for standing for the people. I've made clear that we know in our bones, and you know it too, our democracy remains at risk. But I've also made it clear, as I've seen throughout my life, it's within our power, each and every one of us, to preserve our democracy. We can, we must, we will. I'm going to uh, turn this over to Roy. Roy, the podium is yours. I'm going to be fine with your jokes, but I'm not sure about Dark Brandon. <laughs> Don't give it up for Dark Brandon. Happy to be here. Oh, real quick, Mr. President, I think you left some of your classified documents up here. You can get to them. Yeah. Yeah, no, don't give them to him. I'll put them in a safe place. He don't know where to keep them. I'm a... Happy to be here, though. Happy to be here. So it's a pleasure to be here amongst our country's greatest leaders, distinguished media organizations, both Property Brothers and Dr. Fauci. If you see Fauci, take a picture with him. That's your new booster shot. <laughs> but y'all look good, though. I've been, I've been watching and looking around all night. Y'all look good. You dress nice. You got the nice threads on. You got the jewelry glistening. Look like everybody got a little piece of that settlement money from Fox News. <laughs> and that's all I have to say about that, because I'm not going to have dominion on my ass. I love dominion. Matter of fact, let me just say right now, my favorite voting machine is... <laughs> Dominion voting machines. When I go to the polls, I make sure it is a Dominion machine that I use. If your election needs the truth, put Dominion in your booth. That's... I ain't gonna get sued. It's three people you don't wanna see in the courtroom. That's Dominion, Cardi B, or Gwyneth Paltrow. You gonna lose. I'd like to thank Tamara Keith and the White House Correspondents Association for having me. Thank you for that. Um, I'm well aware that not everybody in this room knows who I am, so let's just address the elephant in the room. I know what it is. Half this room think I'm Kenan Thompson. Other half think I'm Louis Armstrong. President Biden thinks I'm the dad of y'all family matters. Nonetheless, I'm happy to be here at this event amongst government officials who speak to MSNBC, former government officials who now work at MSNBC, and future government officials who currently work at MSNBC. Uh, an often overlooked purpose of tonight's dinner, you know, serious business, an overlooked purpose of tonight's dinner is to award scholarships to students who have shown great achievements in journalism. That's right. These brave young souls are the future of the industry. And I'd like to stop right now and, con and congratulate tonight's top scholarship recipient, Arizona State senior George Santos. Oh, yeah. G George couldn't be here tonight. He's auditioning for RuPaul's Drag Race. That's my bad. That's my bad. We say good luck to you, George. Sashay away. And also, speaking of drag queens, can, can we stop with the grooming stuff? Can you stop talking about that? 
Drag queens are not at a school to groom your kids. Stop it. And even if they were, most of them kids gonna get shot at school. It ain't no problem. Don't groan, pass legislation. Like they boobs gonna bother me. I'm like, I'm like Mitch McConnell. I ain't got no soul. It's a tumultuous time in the media, though. We got layoffs everywhere. BuzzFeed News, NPR, Axios, Washington Post, ESPN. Paramount Global right now is considering offers from Byron Allen and Tyler Perry to purchase BET. That's how bad it is out there. These companies are so broke, they're giving BET back to black people. <laughs> Which, by the way, is not what we meant when we said black people wanted reparations. We meant cash. You can give it to us in the Harriet Tubman 20s. <laughs> but tonight, we are all unified under one thing, and that's scandal. Scandals. Scandals have been devouring careers this year. The untouchable Tucker Carlson is out of a job. Yeah. Okay. Some people celebrate it. But to Tucker's staff, I want you to know that I know what you're feeling. I work at The Daily Show, so I too have been blindsided by the sudden departure of the host of a fake news program. <laughs> Tucker got caught up. Got caught up like that dude from Vanderpump Rules. Text message stuff. I don't know what Vanderpump Rules is about. I'm just watching it a couple times. My friends told me it's like BMF, but for white people. Or is that secession? No, secession is power for white people. No, Tucker Carlson is power for white people. No, that's white power. You know what, never mind. Don't worry about that. Don't, don't worry about that. We got to get Tucker back on the air, Mr. President, because right now there's millions of Americans that don't even know why they hate you. <laughs> Fox claimed Dominion conspired with the Democrats to rig the election. And the Democrats should be flattered that they thought that y'all were smart enough to rig an election. <laughs> Warnock needed a runoff to be the werewolf. <laughs> but it's not over for you, Fox News. You still got bad, more bad news coming down the pipe. That Smartmatic voting machine lawsuit is coming. That's right, Smartmatic is coming for you and they want more money than me. Matter of fact, let me just say right now, my favorite voting machine <laughs> is the Smartmatic voting machine. If your election needs the truth, put Smartmatic in your booth. <laughs> but I think it's fair that we should give credit where credit is due. Tucker Carlson is the first host to get fired from Fox News for something that's only partially about how he treats women. That's progress. He shattered the asshole ceiling. Speaking of assholes, Don Lemon is out of a job. Don Lemon. Don Lemon released a statement saying he got fired from CNN. Then CNN released a statement saying that they offered Don a meeting. They had to part ways because Don Lemon can't even accurately report a story about Don Lemon. <laughs> I still think that Don deserved more CNN. That ain't how you fire somebody. How funny is it that you work in the news then watch on the news that you got fired from the news? Don Lemon is now the most obnoxious guy in the history of CNN. That's not fair. 
Even Jeffrey too been looking at Don Lemon like, ooh, he rubbed me the wrong way. <laughs> Letting Don go was the wrong move. You shouldn't have let him go, not this soon, CNN. First off, Don was fine when y'all was letting him drink. You shouldn't have cut off his liquor. You don't fire your host after the first couple of scandals. Let the, stand the scandals got to stack up. You got to, get some, you got to get ratings. Yes, Don Lemon was a diva, and he said a couple of women are raggedy in the face, but that's a promotion at Fox News. <laughs> but I ultimately understand why CNN did what they did. I get it, it's about morals. There should be no place on air for someone who speaks with wild disregard and doesn't consider the blowback to their coworkers or their company. Thankfully, CNN has taken steps in the right direction. They got rid of Don Lemon, and they've now given a show to Charles Barkley. <laughs> to Charles Barkley's co-host, Gail King, we say good luck. <laughs> I think it's gonna be a good show. The whole show is gonna be Charles Barkley saying something crazy, then Gail King looking into the camera, Charles. <laughs> Charles. So many scandals. The king of scandals, President Donald Trump. And for, and for, for just for a moment, can we just all acknowledge, can we just all be honest and just say that the Trump arrest didn't hit like we thought it was gonna hit? We're so desensitized to scandals now. That Trump arrest, it didn't do what I thought it was gonna do. The Trump arrest was like a pot brownie you ate four hours ago. And you're like, hmm, do I feel justice? This don't feel like justice. Hmm. Let me try one of them Georgia arraignment brownies. Maybe that'll hit. Okay, that one's, that's got some kick to it. Can't follow Trump scandals. There's too many Trump scandals to keep up with. Keeping up with Trump scandals is like watching Star Wars movies. You gotta watch the third one to understand the first one. <laughs> then the, you, gotta, you can't miss the second one because it's got Easter eggs for the fifth one. Donald Trump is the only politician whose scandals got spinoffs on Disney Plus. <laughs> but the Trump arrest, it made everybody question what they believe. You thought you leaned one way politically, then Trump got locked up, everybody started waffling put Republicans between a rock and a hard place. Donald Trump got locked up and for years, all Republicans, all y'all been saying for years, we gotta get tough on crime. Trump got arrested, we meant black crime. <laughs> Same thing with the liberals too. Liberals was all confused after Trump got arrested. We got to abolish prison. Trump got arrested, bring back Rikers. <laughs> I don't know about y'all, but for me, um, the easiest scandal to follow was the Trump document scandal. That was the one that was easy to follow. It was simple. It's some stuff that's supposed to be in the White House that ain't. <laughs> and the media, y'all did y'all's job. Y'all jumped on that story. As soon as the Trump document story broke, everybody was down to Mar-a-Lago. We're reporting live from the documents, and we're gonna find them. <laughs> and then we found out Joe Biden had documents too, and it was like, oh, it's not a big deal. It's not a big deal. Everybody got documents. Everybody got documents. Mike Pence has some documents. Ooh, about a, ooh, look, a Chinese spy balloon. Would you look at that? Ooh. Well done, media. Happy to be here. Very happy to be here. <laughs> if there's one person that could use a scandal, it's Ron DeSantis. That boy is just running around, just passing every controversial law he can think of, thinking that's gonna activate voters. 
That's not how you activate voters in this country, Ron. Everybody know how you do politics. This is America. We don't pass laws. You make a promise to voters, and then you don't do it. That's what the great leaders in this room understand. You know how to make things not happen. The only thing, the only thing Ron DeSantis has done that I got to give him credit for, this boy that got people riled up over stuff they can't understand. Don't nobody, they, they don't know what critical race theory is. Got these people riled up about something that they can't even define, like crypto or NFTs. Ask, ask any Republican that's anti-CRT. Ask any Republican trying to explain CRT. They sound like a Democrat trying to explain the charges against Trump. <laughs> it's bad, they're everywhere. We just gotta stop it, we gotta stop it. We got the files. We got files, we'll be right back. I'm Rachel Maddow, I have files. Rachel Maddow get them files on you, it's a wrap. <laughs> I think Republicans, y'all would be surprised, man, if y'all would just be real about what CRT is. You'd be surprised, some black folks might, might meet you halfway. But you gotta tell the truth, you can't lie to black people. Call it what it is. Anti-CRT policies are an attack on black history and an attempt to erase the contributions of black people from the history books. That's what it is. You are trying to erase black people, and a lot of black people wouldn't mind some of that erasure as long as that black person is Clarence Thomas. <laughs> a billionaire named Harlan Crow is flying Clarence Thomas all over the world on unreported trips, like an Instagram model, taking Clarence to the Maldives and the beaches and all. Pay for his mama's house, this billionaire. Pay for Clarence Thomas' mama's house. I gotta, I, gotta, I gotta give it up to billionaires. Billionaires, boy, y'all, y'all are relentless. Y'all always come up with something new to buy. <laughs> like, just when you think of everything you could buy on Earth, a billionaire will come up with a new thing. Y'all buy space rockets, you bought Twitter. This man bought a Supreme Court justice. <laughs> Do you understand how rich you have to be to buy a Supreme Court, a black one on top of that? <laughs> There's only two in stock. And Harlan Crow owns half the inventory. <laughs> we can all see Clarence Thomas, but he belongs to billionaire Harlan Crow. And that's what an NFT is. <laughs> Everybody's got some scandals, though. Despite the challenging times we live in, I look around this room and I see people that are hardworking. Many of you, I don't even think you should be working that hard. We should be inspired by the events in France. They rioted when the retirement age went up two years to 64. They rioted because they didn't want to work till 64. Meanwhile, in America, we have an 80-year-old man begging us for four more years of work. Begging, begging. <laughs> Let me finish the job. That's not a campaign slogan, that's a plea. <laughs> Let me finish it, let me finish it. I do, I do wish you the best of luck on the campaign trail. 
Mr. President, um, you got a lot of things that you're going to have to navigate, a lot of hurdles. You've had quite a few scandals, you know? We, don't know. we know about the documents, we know about the laptops, but there's been no scandal more damaging than the scandal of, is Joe Biden awake? Hey, say what you want about our president, but when he wake up from that nap, work gets done. <laughs> he might doze off with an mm, infrastructure bill. Mm, oh, student loan forgiveness. Mm, did we free Brittany Ground or free Brittany Ground? <laughs> but I think the most insulting scandal to fall to the feet of the Biden administration was placed at the feet of our Madam Vice President. The scandal of what does Kamala do? Which is a disrespectful question. That's a disrespectful question because nobody ever asked that question of the vice president until a woman got the job. Somebody ask? I don't know what Mike Pence did. The only thing I know about Mike Pence is that he's really good at playing hide and seek at the Capitol. You gotta be crafty to catch Mike Pence in that Capitol, baby. He'd know all the nooks and crannies. At the end of the day, as a vice president, the only thing, the only thing you got to do is just be better than Dick Cheney. <laughs> That's the bar, just be better than Dick Cheney. They made a documentary about Dick Cheney. Now, I don't know much about the job of vice president, but I do know if they can make a documentary about your time as vice president, you vice presidented incorrectly. <laughs> and if a VP's job is really just waiting to step in to save the country in case of emergency, then the job of vice president is a perfect job for a black woman. Shouldn't be, but it is. And whatever you do accomplish, whatever you do accomplish, all they're gonna do is just give a man credit for it. Anything you do, oh, immigration stuff, you done knocked out, you done got all this banking and you got the internet down there, you done taken care of all this postpartum stuff, they just gonna give a man credit for what you done. By the way, Mr. President, great job at being the first woman vice president <laughs> of color. I don't even know how you did that part. But tonight, tonight is all about you all. The journalists, the defenders of free speech, the people who show truth to the world through different mediums, through television, through print, through radio, through whatever China let us see on TikTok. <laughs> but the industry that covers all of these scandals isn't immune to them theirself. The issue with good media is that most people can't afford that. All the essential fair and nuanced reporting, it's all stuck behind a paywall. People can't afford rent, people can't afford food, not healthy food, they can't afford an education, they damn sure can't afford to pay for the truth. Say what you want about a conspiracy theory, but at least it's affordable. I mean, well, unless you Alex Jones, it'll cost you about 900 million. And I understand that we have to put the stuff behind the paywall because creating the truth is important. People can't afford the truth, but you all can't afford to go find the truth for free. The work you do as journalists is important, it's essential, it's dangerous. My father was an embedded reporter on the front lines with black platoons in Vietnam. He was in the South African Soweto riots, he covered that. <laughs> the Civil War in Rhodesia, which we know today is Zimbabwe. My father came back home and co-founded the National Black Network because he wanted to tell black stories. So it's American Urban Radio Networks now, and they've been doing it 50 years, and that's part of what my father wanted to build, you know. And I know it was hard, because, you know, black daddies loved telling you when something was, was difficult. 
they were shooting at me, boy. I just, but, they, but I never dropped my tape recorder. <laughs> my daddy tell war stories like Brian Williams. All right, Lester Holt didn't laugh at that one. Okay, so I have <laughs> Good journalism costs. That's the truth of the matter. Good journalism costs the people, but it also costs the journalists. It could even cost you your freedom. We talked about Evan of the Wall Street Journal sitting in a Russian prison as we speak on espionage charges. Which espionage charges, by the way, that's the foreign equivalent of saying someone fits the description. Evan and hundreds of journalists, they're imprisoned all over the world simply for doing their job. And we got to defend brave journalists. Most of the national stories in this country, at some point, were first a local story. And those stories are championed by reporters at outlets that many of them have now folded. And if we can't figure out a way to pay local reporters, then as a country, we're only left with that many more blind spots to where the bull is happening. You hear about all these newsrooms getting cuts. That's every article that Tamara has been sending me the last two months. It's just the new room is getting cut. We're cutting people, we're cutting budgets, but you never hear about the multi-million dollar executives reducing their salaries within these organizations. Now, how do we fix this? I don't know, I'm a comedian. I was just up here. <laughs> it's not my job to have the solution. That's on y'all. <laughs> but local, local reporting, it's very important. My mother is here tonight. And I know she's furious right now because I'm trying to put on camera, but my mother was amongst a group of black student protesters fighting for equality in the 60s at Delta State University. And, and that was a dangerous time. But those types of incidents were covered by local reporters and some of the shame that came from the national embarrassment of treating people inhumanely is part of the pressure that helped to create that type of change. What would have become of my mother and those other protesters if a local journalist wasn't there telling the story? And now it's no different. But thankfully, my mother's story was told. She got to complete her degree at Delta State and continued on to Florida A&M and got another degree. And then, for the last 45 years, has worked at a historically black college as an educator and administrator. And one of those many black colleges that need a little bit more funding. You got a 20 on your joke. <laughs> Send that down to one of the black colleges. Uh, to my mom, I say thank you for everything you've done for me and for helping countless students in Birmingham have the opportunity to see a college degree and to see an opportunity to grow, you know. My mother's journey may not have even begun if not for brave journalists who chose to chronicle history in real time. And I don't know how to ever repay my mom for what she's done for me and what she's done for so many people in Alabama. But just know, mama, if, if a white billionaire call you and offer to buy your house, please sell it. Because <laughs> I might want to become an NFT. Thank you so much to the Correspondents Association. Thank you so much to Tamara Keith. Thank you all so much. Good night. That's the White House Correspondents' Dinner from over the weekend, Roy Wood Jr. from The Daily Show and Comedy Central as the MC. Thanks for indulging me today with a little bit of a cheat day and listening to that replay. I will see you tomorrow, 5 to 6 p.m. on the America One Radio app, AmericaOneRadio.com.